Acts chapter 5, begin reading please with me in verse 33. After that Peter had told them the same gospel account, the same gospel that he had been stating all along through the book of Acts. In verse 33, when they had heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, You men, or just put, put, them, put them aside, put them, put them back, and said unto them, the council, You men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about four hundred, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. And after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, this is not Judas Iscariot, and drew away much people after him, he also perished. And all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they, the apostles, departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name, the Lord Jesus, his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at the subject this morning of logic. 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 So reasoning. That's what logic is. It's just simple reasoning. Conducted reasoning. Assessing validity. Okay? Thinking things through is what logic is. Thinking things through. Some people practice very difficult, strange, and even terrible logic. Okay? There was a study that came out a while back that said that ice cream caused drownings. Ice cream caused drownings. Well, the logic they used behind that was they said, okay, well, in the summertime, there's more drownings, and in the summertime, there's more cells of ice cream, so therefore, ice cream must cause drownings. You must understand that that's terrible logic, right? That's, that's terrible logic. But that's the kind of logic a lot of people use. Well, I think it's good, and, it, and therefore, it must be good, right? I see no problem with it, therefore there's no problem with it. Many people employ terrible logic. But Gamaliel here, he actually uses sound logic. And we, and we can see that unsaved people can, can, can deduce reasonably. Logic, conducted reasoning. So most people, again, aren't good at it. And if you just listen to people talk, you can hear... They're if-then statements. If this is true, then this is true. They're if-then statements. Uh, you, you can tell that they justify themselves and their behavior, that their logic is simply terrible. Simply terrible. If God wanted me to do this, then dot, dot, dot. Well, if God's word says it, then he does want you to do it. He doesn't have to do anything else. Well, if God didn't want me to do this, he would dot, dot, dot. Well, if God's word says don't do it, he doesn't have to do anything else. And violation of God's word, whether man deduce it or not, violation of God's word is sin. Okay. Logic. There are four main types of logic. Okay. So mathematical, using symbols and terms to, to prove arguments. And, and we don't see mathematical logic in this place. There's symbolic logic. Maybe you've seen these things that, that if an apple equals 5 and an orange equals 10 and a cherry equals 20, what's an apple plus an orange plus a cherry? That's symbolic logic. Okay? What is that, by the way? 
35, there you go. Somebody's paying attention. Good. You have formal logic using a syllogism. Conclusions drawn from two given or assumed propositions and bring it to a conclusion. An example, all dogs, or all animals rather, uh, have four legs. All dogs are animals, therefore all, all dogs have four legs. Well, that's true and it's not true because not all animals have four legs, right? I'm an animal, I got two legs and two arms. I don't have four legs. So you see even in, in some of those types of logic, there, there are, um, there's error in that, okay? Uh, in mathematical logic, they try to, to understand how gravity works and they think they know until they start thinking about black holes and that type of thing. And they really, even the most, uh, the, the wisest of scientists, they can tell you how they think, how they think gravity works, but they can't tell you why. They can't tell you why it works. Even the gravitational pull between cells and atoms, they can't tell you why it happens. They can tell you how they think it happens, but not why. But then you have an informal logic, and that's what uh, Gamaliel is using here, an informal logic. And there's two kinds of informal logic. I'm not trying to bore you here. I'm just trying to tell you what's happening in this passage. Informal logic. There's inductive and deductive reasoning. Okay, Inductive reasoning. Multiple premises all believed to be true or true most of the time and are combined to obtain a specific conclusion. That's the type of logic a, law, a lot of folks uh, employ in their conversations. And you can understand that whenever people have false premises. I was having a conversation with a, with a man not long ago about the holidays. And he gave me two examples. One person, one people not observing the holiday, but they live lives how they please. And another family observing the holidays, but they're doing it in a God-honoring way, you know, which is right. But his, in his inductive reasoning... He completely overlooked the fact that those people who were celebrating the holiday were doing so in idolatry. He, he, in his in inductive reasoning, he said that it was done in a God-honoring way, which was a false conclusion. So even in, in inductive reasoning, there can be error. I believe what Gamaliel is practicing is deductive reasoning. Deductive reasoning. What is that? It's an approach of progressing from general ideas to specific conclusions. Okay? So deductive reasoning. We practice deductive reasoning all the time. Okay, uh, To come here this morning, the general idea that when you get in your car and you hit the button or you turn the key or however your car starts, that it did and you were going to drive here because of general ideas of how cars work and general ideas of how your mind works and what you know, you came to the conclusion that you could safely drive here. You deductively reasoned that all will go well as it had before. Historical, uh, general ideas brought forward to a specific conclusion. Okay. Deductive reasoning. That's how we're going to Idaho. Deductive reasoning. The general idea that people get on airplanes and they go up and they come down safely and people want to go where they want to go. The general idea that one church invites another man to come speak for them and all goes well. Deductive reasoning, we're coming to the specific conclusion that we're going to get on a plane tomorrow, go to Idaho, take off and land, and then come back in the same process, right? That's exactly what Gamaliel is saying here. Deductive reasoning. So a logical man, that's what Gamaliel is. I'm not saying he's a saved man, I'm saying he's a logical man, okay? So before we get into Gamaliel, I would strongly encourage you, strongly encourage, and that's why I've encouraged you in the past, when you're speaking to somebody, don't jump to, to 50 different passages to prove your point. Prove your point in one place. Because the deductive reasoning, what the scripture says, now it does say the same thing in multiple places. I, I, we preach week by week, message by message, that we're to trust the Lord and do what he says, and they're given ample examples of how to do that and why to do that. Deductive reasoning. So deductive reasoning from, from a general idea, that's what these messages are that you hear. When we have a general idea, we can come to specific conclusions from a general idea. And that's, that's what Gamaliel did. I would encourage you in your conversations then to take a general idea and stay on it and come to specific conclusions about the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation, sin, the Lord's church, 
everything. Deductive reason. Gamaliel. His name means my recompense or reward is God. Okay. He was a Pharisee. And what, what are Pharisees known for? Well, they were known for in their time for their approach of godliness. They had a zeal toward God, but not according to the knowledge. That's what Paul said. Okay. A zeal toward God. So this man being a Pharisee, then he was lightly saying it. He was religious. Okay. He was light, he, he was religious. And a religious person can have reasoning. Doesn't mean they're saved. But even even having reasoning, and the reason I went into all those different kinds of, of logic is logic can be misapplied, and people misapply logic all the time. Why do people go to all these different assemblies when they, they directly teach contrary to the Word of God? Because their logic is unsound. Why, when presented the truth of the Word of God concerning salvation, concerning the origin of all things, Concerning the Lord's assembly, why do people reject that? Because their logic is unsound. Their, their minds, are uh, they, they, they do not, even being told. Remember in John chapter 10, these people the Lord had been speaking to at length. They said, well, just tell us plainly if you're the Christ. And he said, I have. And you don't, you, you don't hear me because you're not mine. Right? Logic. So he was a Pharisee. He was religious. Okay? He was also a celebrated doctor of the law. Look at that again. Gamaliel, a celebrated doctor of the law. I mean, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law. Celebrated, okay? So he knew the ins and the outs and the which wise. He, you, you could ask him to quote any passage. I, I've, I've known brothers and known of brothers that they say, oh yes, ask him any, any passage in the Word of God, and, and, and boom, they just have it memorized. I don't. But it appears as though that Gamaliel was a, a celebrated doctor uh, of the law. He, he knew he knew the Old Testament. He knew it. Okay. He also gave advice to the Sanhedrin of the council. Okay. So think about that. An expert testimony to the experts. Okay. So in my line of work, sometimes I'll collaborate. I'll call somebody and say, hey, look, I've got this problem. What should I do? Well, I call those people because they're celebrated experts. They're celebrated experts in that particular field. So for this council to hear this man as a celebrated expert, that tells us of the validity of his expertise. Yeah. He knew the law. He gave advice to the council. And he understood. That so this man also had it was a man uh, of understanding and of influence. Okay, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have heard his his advice. He, they wouldn't have heard his testimony if he was a nobody. He they also wouldn't have heard him if he was unsound in logic and in reason. He was a man of reputation. Look at that. He says had in reputation among all the people. They, they, they held him in honor. They held him in, in esteem. There's a old commercial. Maybe some of y'all remember it. E.F. Hutton commercial. These people were sitting kind of at a, at a diner, I think it was, and or a little cafe, and and they were talking about investments. And one person mentioned what E.F. Hutton had to say, and everybody hushed up, and they were leaning in. They they wanted to hear the financial advice of E.F. Hutton. Well, this man was the E.F. Hutton of the Sanhedrin. He was the E.F. Hutton uh, of the Pharisees. He was the guy. Okay, people listened. When he spoke, people listened. He was also the preceptor of Paul. And, and if, you, if you think of Paul was wise in, in, um, in the word of God, turn to Acts chapter two, 22. Acts chapter 22. And uh, Acts chapter 22 and verse 3. Paul, speaking of his background, he says, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Sicilia, Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous toward God as ye, are, as ye all are this day. So Paul's personal testimony tells us that Gamaliel being his preceptor, we know, if we know what kind of guy Paul was, we know what kind of guy Gamaliel was. Okay? We can understand him to be then at least at least a logical and orderly man according to the law. 
This man was not going to disobey the law. The, the, when the Lord said, accept your righteousness, exceed the Pharisees, then Gamaliel, in his mind, would have exceeded the rest of the Pharisees. Okay? Paul said he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and if Gamaliel trained him, where do you think he got that idea from? Okay? So, but this man was also, again, a logical and orderly man. And we can see that from what he says. He, he applies deductive reasoning in verses 35 through. He says in verse number 35, look, deductive reasoning. And see for yourselves, and we're going to come to some pretty great conclusions here because of Gamaliel's logic. Verse 35. And he said unto them, you men of Israel, take heed to yourselves. People wield logic around. They take it as a light thing. Okay? Well, if this happens, then this. If this, if you would have done this, I would have done that. If, if, if then, if then, if then, if then. In your logic, take heed to yourself. What's that mean? Be attentive. Give thought and effort. Be cautious. Be cautious in your logic. Because what conclusions you come to, or what conclusions uh, that, that, that you may lead someone else to, if you have a false premise or a false idea or error in your equation, you're going to have error in your conclusion. Okay? So he's saying, be take heed about your assumptions because you're, you have to come to the right conclusion. Okay? So take heed. Indeed, logic is most precious. And yet it's, a, yet it's a scarce thing. These men were not exercising logic. Okay? Simple logic would bring us to proper conclusions. There's a, there's a statement, and maybe through instrumentation, Brother Gary, you've heard this garbage in, garbage out. You ever heard something like that? My dad used to say slop doesn't fix slop. Okay? Something broken won't fix something broken. So, so if, you have, if, you have, if you have false premises, you will not come to the right conclusion. You cannot. Okay? So he says, take heed to yourself. Make sure we're make sure you're evaluating this thing appropriately. Make sure that your reasoning and what you're doing and what you're thinking are right. Ultimately, he says, if you if you come to the wrong conclusion, if you come to the, 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 the wrong conclusion, ye will be found even to fight against God. Well, boy, that's that's a terrible that's a terrible thought to think you're coming to the wrong conclusion, isn't it? Yes, be very attentive. Be very attentive. Take heed. He mentions Thutis. Okay, and this is in verse 36. Look look at verse 36. For before these days rose up Thutis. So there, he, he's he's telling Peter. And the apostles had just said, this Lord Jesus, he is, he is the Son of God. He brings repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. God raised him up, and it happened right in front of you, and you're guilty. He told them to repent. Okay? And these men were angry. So he's, he's paralleling the Lord Jesus to Thutis. Okay? That's what he's doing. He, by deductive reasoning, he's saying, okay, by a, 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 the general idea of Thutis, we can come to a conclusion about Jesus. And he's going to say the same thing about Judas in Galilee. By general ideas about Judas in Galilee, not Iscariot, we're going to, we're going to have some conclusions about the Lord Jesus and his followers. Okay? So Thutis. He was known as an insurgent and an insurrectionist. This man was a, was a regional terrorist. Okay? For before these days rose up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody... To whom a number of uh, to whom a number of men, about four hundred, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. Okay, so here you have a man who's an insurgent. He's an insurrectionist. He was irritating to the people. He had a following. He boasted. He said he was somebody. He he said he had something, and, and he had a following. And then he died. And when he died, they put an end to the whole production. Everything when they when they killed the uh, when they killed the shepherd of the thing, the sheep scattered. Okay, he died. The production was put to an end, and the business was dissolved. Thutis. 
Likewise, he says, by deductive reasoning, a general idea to a specific conclusion, after this man, in verse 37, after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him, he also perished, and all, even as obeyed him, were dispersed. This man was an insurgent and an insurrectionist. This man was a, a regional terrorist. This man created an uprising. This man was irritating to the, to the, to the cause of, of Judaism. This man, in the time of taxing, we know who he was. He was a bother to us. And we know, and he, and, and he was also put away. And he also, the Romans, had also taken note of him, and they put him away as well. He had a large following. He thought he was somebody. And when he died, that put an end to his production. And when he died, that put an end that his business was dissolved. Okay? Deductive reasoning. Deductive reasoning. Because of these rebellion, the rebellions of these insurgents and insurrectionists have come and gone, when the leaders died, the whole thing went away. Deductive reasoning. So look at verses 38 and 39 again. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. So what is he saying? If Jesus is who Peter says who he is, because he's dead, the following. If Jesus is who he says he is, right? He said, hey, look, I do my father's works. He said that in the book of John. They hated him because he did his father's works, and he said that he is indeed the son of God. They hated him because he did wonderful works on the Sabbath day. They hated him, okay? In their minds, he was an insurgent and an insurrectionist. In John chapter 11, they took counsel. Caiaphas being the high priest, they took counsel. What are we going to do about this guy? Because we're going to lose our place and the nation. They considered him before Rome and in their eyes an insurrectionist and an insurgent. They're paralleling, they're trying to anyway, Thutis, Judas, and the Lord Jesus. Okay. If these, if, the, if, it, if these men are of men, they will die, and so will their cause. That's what he says in verse 38. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, then it will come to naught. And I tell you, that's a pretty great logic. It really is. If these are of men... So the reason, I believe, one of the reasons that people think that the Lord's assembly died out and had to be resurrected through Rome and then had a, a bunch of garbage go through it and had to be reformed and then kind of faded out and all these different rogue people have to show up and, and, uh, and, and start their own thing, own thing everywhere, it's because they believe the Lord's assembly is of men. If it is of men, it'll come to nothing, and then men have to build something else, right? This nation is of men, and this nation will soon fall, I believe. It really will. It's of men. It, it, now, they are using godly principles, but this nation will fall. Kingdoms come and fall. They come and go. What nation? Even in falling, what nation continues? The nation of Israel. They are God's people. It's his. If it's of God, you fight against God, right? You can't exterminate the Jews. You can't do it. Every nation has tried, and they can't do it. He says, if, these, uh, if this thing is of men, they will die, and so will their cause. Well, I believe that's pretty great internal evidence from the word of God that the Lord's assembly continues because it's not of men. John's baptism, is it from heaven or is it of men? He asked that question, what's the answer? Jesus Christ used deductive reasoning. Is it of heaven or is it of men? Well, it's from God. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot. But if it be of God, look at this. Deductive, if it's of men, it'll come to nothing. Because that's what happened with Thutis and that's what happened with Judas. If it's of men, deductive reasoning, using general ideas to come to a specific conclusion, 
because of, if it's of men, it'll come to nothing. But it's, if, it, if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. Ju, uh, Gamaliel, how did he come to that conclusion? Well, he went back to what Peter was saying in chapter 5, verse 30, the God of our fathers, right? The God of our fathers. Those promises made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to re reaffirmed through Moses and all through the prophets. Though if it be of God, God's word shall stand because God shall not be moved. Okay? If it be of God, if it is God's thing, ye cannot overthrow it because God cannot be overthrown. That's impeccable deductive reasoning. Right? What man can destroy the sun? Can anybody try to blow up? We can't even we can't even make it to Mars, let alone try to undo the kingdom and the hand of God. Deductive reasoning, Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. If it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. I can't even add an inch to my stature. How am I going to overthrow God? I can't add one day and that word statue there in the in the gospels, it's not just not just talking about height, it's really talking about length of days. I, I cannot prolong my life a second past my appointment of death. Hebrews. If it be of God, if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you be found even to fight against God, and that is a fight no one can win. When Satan himself is loosed from the bottomless pit after a thousand years of conniving and angry and stewing and boiling, and he has all the hosts of the earth rallied together, bam, firebomb from heaven, done. There is no army that can come against God and fight against him and prevail. None. If these men are of God, then their cause shall never die. Well, guess what? By logic, Gamaliel understood church perpetuity. If we understand logic, if we understand Gamaliel's logic, we have to understand that if the Lord's church truly be the Lord's church, and he truly started it, and his church be of God based on his gospel and the testimony and witness of his gospel, if it be of God then nothing can overthrow it. Lo, I am with you until the end of the age is just as true and just as powerful as it ever has been and cannot be overturned. There are some courts that can be overturned, right? They come to decisions and then it goes to the higher court. Did they do it right? I don't know. Did they do it right? And they look at it. God's court and his dominion cannot be overthrown or overturned. So when he makes a declaration... It's not a, I hope so, I hope I can do this, I hope we make it, I hope you make it. It is a promise from God. If it is of, of God, by just by simple logic, if it's of God, it can never die, it cannot be overthrown, and fighting against it is fighting against God, because it's His. This call reference, back, back to the premise of the fathers, again, verses 30 through 33, most people do not apply this type of logic in their minds, but I, I strongly encourage you to look at this in just simply a logical way. A logical way. If the church were of men, based on things of men, it would have died or needed reformation. If it would followed after the pattern by logic of Thutis, who boasted himself to be somebody, or of Judas of Galilee, who came up in the days of taxing, if I follow the pattern of men, I'm going to say something carefully here, not to get into politics, okay? 
our former president seemed to have done a better job than our present president. Okay? But even his 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 term, okay, his his presidency, it was of men. I mean, it was purposed of God and it was determined of God just as much as Hitler was and just as, just as much as Pharaoh was. He was set there to show the power of God in all the earth, the providence of God. But we know that his, his reign, his authority was of men. Why? Because it came to an end. He was voted out. Well, we'll leave that alone. He's no longer president, we'll say that. But it was of men. And men are trying to prevent him from running again. You see, it's of men. But uh, if it's something is of God, it cannot be overthrown. It cannot be outmatched or outclassed or outdone or taken away. It doesn't need to be changed or altered or reformed or given a new spin to get the kids in the door. No, if the church is of God, then those that deny its continuance fight against God. That's exactly the logic. That's the logical conclusion that Gamaliel came to. He says in verse 39, If it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest halfway ye be found even to fight against God. Those that deny the logic that the Lord's assembly, because it is of God, were to continue as God said it would, they deny God himself, and they fight against God. They fight against God. I don't fight against God. Absolutely. That's the logical conclusion. If somebody denies that they fight against God, well, they have a false premise in their equation to, to satisfy their conscience. If someone says that from the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, that the testimony of that had stopped, what they're ultimately saying is Jesus Christ is ineffective as Savior and he's ineffective as a truth teller. Look at verse 38 again. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if the counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. They're saying that Jesus is not the Son of God, that he is not Messiah, that he is not the Savior and Deliverer of his people, that he is not God Almighty, who in this world came to this world. He saved his people from their sins, and he started a work. And you notice that word work. The work of the Lord's assembly would have died, and if it did die, it's a direct reproach on, the, on Jesus Christ himself. So for someone to say... That it is of that that, that that there is no continuance. They are fighting against God. They're fighting against His gospel. They're fighting against His institution. They're fighting against Him. Those are some pretty serious charges, aren't they? Well, that's the logical conclusion, right? That's the logical conclusion. Someone breaks a command, they sin against God, right? Now, in breaking a command, I could I could hurt someone else but david said against thee and thee alone have i sinned right yes his sin involved other people but his sin was against god so for someone to say that the that the that the work that came forth out of the gospel the lord's assembly has died and come to naught they're just saying that his gospel also was of naught or of nothing. But if his gospel is true, then also his ministers will remain and nothing can overthrow it. And trying to overthrow it would be fighting against God and making argument against God. What's the logical conclusion? Just as much as Jesus died, buried, and rose again, when he said, all power or authority is given me in heaven and earth, go ye therefore, speaking to his assembly, then that is just as true. It's just as true. Logically, then, it has to still be, from its original line, logically, it has to be in this world right now. Logically, if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. And that ye and it is important. Okay? So the ye pertain to the Sanhedrin, the council, in that day, and the it is the work of the Lord's assembly in that day. 
But as the Lord's assembly continued on, the it, the ye cannot overthrow it, would, would put in mind anyone that would attempt to throughout the ages. Okay? So 2,000 years of church history, there has been a lot of yees who fight against God and try to overthrow it, but they cannot because it continues because it is of God. Logic. Logic. Those that deny its continuance argue against God. Okay? They argue against God. And that's a dangerous place to be. Matthew chapter 16. Simple. Simple. If it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Is the church of God. Is the Lord's assembly, as he established it, in Galilee some 2,000 years ago, is it of God? He says it's his, and he will build it. Keep reading. And I will give unto it the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So that, that, uh, that, that kingdom, which is the Lord's assembly, that Jesus Christ started and builds and continues with and gave authority to, Matthew chapter 28, logic, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, excuse me, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Will you teach them? They repent, they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You baptize them. So now you have another generation. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe also things, all things whatsoever I've commanded. So now you have a continuation, a promised perpetuity continuation of the Lord's assembly. Why? All power is given me. It is of God and you cannot overthrow it. And lo, I am with you. Is he talking to Peter, James, and John? Peter, James, and John, you're going to live forever in this earth. No. He's talking to that establishment, that that. That, that assembly that he formed. I'm with you even until the end of the world or age. Amen. So then, if it be of God, this, this deductive reason, if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Two questions for you. And they're really the same. They're connected. It's the Lord's assembly of God. Now, there is a, actually a, a group out there that calls themselves the Assembly of God, but they had an origin not long ago. But there is, I believe, a church that Jesus Christ started, and it is of God. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He was baptizing. There was a group that Jesus Christ, in Luke chapter 6, he called his disciples, uh, his apostles, out of his disciples. There is an assembly that is of God. Then the next question is, has at any point it ever been overthrown? Because those questions will have the same answer. If it's of God, it will not have been overthrown. If it is not of God, it has been and needed reformation or tweaking or something whatever. Those that deny that argue against God. They argue, they defy simple logic. They defy simple logic. Logic. I asked a question on Facebook yesterday. Well, what what do hippos have that no other animal has? Biological hippo parents. Right? Well, what does the Lord's assembly have that no other group has? Authority from Jesus Christ. Authority from Jesus Christ. And if and it, ha, it has to be somewhere, and if it be of God, it cannot be overthrown. It has to be somewhere. I believe I'm standing in one of the Lord's assemblies. I really do. The power then, it's not, now look at this. Logically, then what happened? If, if it's of man, 
it's susceptible to being overthrown or extinguished. If this group were of Peter, it would have failed. If this group were of Gary White, Joe Newell, it would have failed. Okay? If this group in Acts chapter 5 is of man, Gamaliel says logically it'll die out. Okay? Did it have to be? Was it susceptible to being overthrown? Well, I don't believe so because logically it wasn't overthrown. So then logically it must have been of God. Did it need to be reformed after being overthrown into apostasy? Well, logically, no, because it is of God and cannot be overthrown. Did it transform from a local, productive, authoritative body into a universal, invisible body that, that someone just, just pulled a nightmare out, out of their brain and started something? No. It's of God. And continues. Is it of God, thus insusceptible to being overthrown or extinguished? That's what I believe. That's, that's the logical conclusion that Gamaliel came to. If it's of God, can't overthrow it. If it's of God, it'll continue. If it's of God, if you try to overthrow it, you fight against God. Is it being of God, having God to fight for it? Never, he never lost a battle. Think about that, the, the, the opposite end of that question. Those that try to exterminate it, they fight against God, but those who are of it and in it, God fights for them. That's, that's a pretty great conclusion. Can anyone deny that the Lord fights for his people? It is the Lord that fights and goes before his people. He says, lo, I am with you until the end of the age. That's why the Lord's church sustained. He is with it, right? Israel didn't conquer Canaan because they were outclassing and outmatching everybody. They, they went into Canaan marching and victorious because God fought their battles. Why does the Lord's church, why does it sustain? Is it because we're just so wonderful and, and, and you know, I, I'm just such great speakers and whatever, so smart and gifted and all that stuff? No, it's the Lord that goes before us and he promised to be with us. That's the sustaining power of the Lord's assembly. Not, in my, my, not my endurance, but the Lord. He is faithful. Amen. Logically, as it's from God, then, the Lord's assembly, as he started it some 2,000 years ago, is unoverthrowable. And I know that's not a word. I just made it up. Unoverthrowable. But that's you know what I'm saying. It cannot be overthrown. And by logic, look at this. These people that, that hated they hated these people. They wanted to kill them. But logic stands. Okay? As my dad used to say, facts is facts. By logic, they agreed. Verse 40. And to him, they agreed. It's just a logical thing. If God put that sun up there, it's going to burn until he says otherwise. Okay? If God breathed the breath of life into Adam and human beings have lived on this earth, they're going to until he says otherwise. If God set all things in motions and he sustains all things by the power of his hand, Colossians chapter 1, it's going to until he says otherwise. So they understand by deductive reasoning that if something is of God, it will continue, and if it's not, it will die out. Deductive reasoning. But sometimes logic and emotions, they have their battle, don't they? You ever, you ever, you ever had something that logically it just made sense, but it made your heart ache and you just... Ugh. They were still angry. Look at this. Logically, they agreed. And then they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they were still angry. They were still angry. So logic... You can logically tell somebody something and, and these people are still undone in their sins. And they can even consent to logic. There's people that consent to the logic of the sovereign grace of God. That doesn't mean they're saved. There's people that believe in the logic that, that like begets like and from Adam till now that human beings have reproduced 
kind after its kind, likewise a giraffe and a hippo, as I said before. They, they, they employ all these different kinds of logic, but refuse to in the Lord's assembly. Refuse to. Even getting mad about it. But even understanding the logic of, of grace and understanding the logic of the Lord's church, there are people, I mean, I understood the logic of grace and I understood the logic, or at least I thought I did, of the Lord's assembly, and I was unsaved as I could be. Angry about it. Just because someone's logical about this stuff doesn't mean they're saved. So be careful with that. Just because somebody understands a basic logical truth about God, that he is God, thus being sovereign of all things, that doesn't mean they're saved. Now, someone denying that fact, that should give you a big, big red flag that they're not. But just because somebody understands these things, these people agreed the logic of Gamaliel and they still were mad at the apostles and beat them. They were still angry, and they threatened them. Look at verse 40 continuing. They, 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 they beat them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. So they are angry, and they beat them. They're angry, and they threaten them. And though they logically agreed, they still tried to overthrow them. You see, sometimes people emotionally and even religiously and emotionally, though they agree to basic truths, oh yes, I believe every word in the word of God. Well, do you now? They still try to overthrow God. They still try to, to fight against God. And just basic logical principles, they try to fight against God. Salvation is not a, logic, a matter of logic. Salvation is not a matter of logic. It's a matter of the heart and, and granted faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. They logically agreed, and they still tried to overthrow. People logically agree that they're sinners, and they logically agree that God is God, and they logically agree that, 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 that they're in need of salvation. And then they still try to overthrow God by doing things their way, don't they? Oh, I've got to be baptized. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I want my station. I want my place. Still try to overthrow God. They, they, they develop their own theological lines. They, they go to all these false assemblies. Why? Because they're trying to overthrow God, even though they say they agree to all these things. Their logic is terrible. Why do people get mad about it? Because their logic is interrupted by their emotions. These people, their logic was interrupted by their emotions. But look at the logic and the emotions of saved people. And this is because, because the apostles and, and the disciples, that they believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is indeed of God, that he was sent by God and he died, was buried and rose again for his people. And they believed that, that they were given charge of, of administering the gospel to the lost and dying world. The logic and emotions, because they believed that it was of God and thus could not be overthrown, look at the logic and emotions of these saved people. They departed, and they, the apostles, departed from the presence of the council. When they departed, that shows us that they continued. They were surviving. Okay, They were surviving, and they would continue to survive. It says that they departed from the presence of the council. How so? Rejoicing. Oh, they were glad. They were thriving. What do you mean? They were just beat up. You ever been beat up before? And I mean beat up. You ever been beat up before and then thought it was a joyful thing? They were like, oh man, yes. Yes. They were thriving. Why? They were thriving that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That word shame means insult or dishonor or contempt. They knew it wasn't about them. If it would have been about them, you know, there's sometimes that people have said things to me, and if it were about me, it would have hurt my feelings a whole bunch. But it's not about me. It's of God. That's, what, that's the logic of Gamaliel. And the apostles believed that. It was of God. It's his thing. It can't be overthrown. 
God was fighting for them, and they they were rejoicing that they were that God counted them worthy. That he that he that he in his providence and in his care and his and his love that they they were determined by God that they were acceptable in His sight to be His witness. They knew it was about the Lord and whom they trusted, and that could not be overthrown. Because Christ's gospel cannot be overthrown. And his promises cannot be overturned or rescinded. They were thankful. They were thriving. They were rejoicing. And they continued daily. Verse 42. And daily in the temple. Now in the temple, that's where they were before. And they were commanded before not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. But they continued. Why did they continue? Because in Acts chapter 1, the Lord Jesus says, Ye shall be my witness. They continued because Jesus said so. And they were rejoicing and being glad doing it. By by reason, they continued. Why did they continue? Because their enterprise, their business, it was of God. It wasn't the same type of enterprise or business or production that Thutis or Judas had. This business, this enterprise, this production was of God and they were going to continue daily. And they did continue and they did continue and they did continue and then boom, it's 2024 and we continue. Why? Because it's of God. Exercise logic here. By reasoning, these saved people proceeded and trusting in the Lord and doing what he says because it was of God. If it was of men, they might have gone home and licked their wounds and pouted for for however long. But they continued daily, daily in the temple. They continued. So logic. The question. If this... Is this, and I mean this, I mean this, where we are here today, is it of God? That's a question that logically you have to answer. By faith, we must understand that like begets like, and his enterprise will continue. If it's of God, it cannot be overthrown. So where is it? You have to find it. Logically, it has to be somewhere. Find it. I've said before, and I'll say it again, that if I found that his business was somewhere else, because it has to be somewhere, and it cannot be overthrown, if I found his business was somewhere else, I would go and I would I would beg you to follow me. I believe his business is here. I do. I believe with all my heart that this be of God, it cannot be overthrown, Now, can a specific church die out? Absolutely. But his type of church through the ages cannot be overthrown. And one that would attempt to do so would be found fighting against God. One that rejects the idea that the Lord's assembly from Jerusalem to this present minute is here, fights against God. And that's a logical conclusion. That's logic. Is the Lord's church, its origin, its sustainer, its business of God or of man? If it's of men, no doubt it would have revived and resuscitated and reformed and rebuilt and they'd have been rogues. No doubt all those people, everybody else in the world is right, no doubt. But if it's of God, it cannot and would not and will not have ever been overthrown as God himself fights for it And Jesus Christ himself promised he would be with it. It has to be somewhere. Logically, it has to be somewhere. So what does Gamaliel's logic, his deductive reasoning, what what does it tell us? The Lord's church being championed by Jesus Christ himself has not been overthrown. That logic, you see it? That logic, it, it has not been overthrown. It cannot be overthrown. It will not be overthrown. It cannot be. Jesus Christ said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What more do we need? That's logical. That means it survives until right now. It's it's surviving right now somewhere. I believe I'm standing in it. What should be our logical response? What was their logical response? 
They rejoiced. They broadcast the gospel. They were in the temple every day. Look at this. I didn't finish reading verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to, to teach and preach Jesus Christ. To broadcast the gospel. His death, burial, and resurrection. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Sirs, what should I do to be saved? Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Ye men of Israel, God hath brought repentance and, and forgiveness of sins to Israel. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He died, was buried, rose again. Messiah, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. To rejoice in the shame and being found worthy to do so. Being found worthy by God to do so. I know there's nothing worthy about me. But God has deemed it in his, in his providence to declare unto his people through his assembly the specific charge of this matter. Stand in our place every day, logically serving the Lord God of our salvation. Logically. Why don't I go to other places? Because logically I believe that the Lord, this is of the Lord and it cannot be overthrown. Logically, why don't I go to somewhere else? Because if I were to say that God is a liar, I would be fighting against God. And I don't want to do that. Notice he called it a work. In verse 38 again, And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone for this counsel or this work. This work. Be of God. It's work. A lot of people think that the, that the Lord's assemblies come in, hear about sovereign grace, and go about your life. No. The work, the, the logical work of his assembly is to be his witness. That's the logical work. All power and authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go. His work. Go. So, logically, what are we to do? Logically, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be glad about it. Will reproach come? Sure. Will shame come? Sure. Will there be beatings and threatenings? I think it's about to get hot. I think, it, I think, I think we, we've enjoyed a space of, of relative peace for a while, and I think that's, that space is about dried up. What do we do? Well, if it's of God, can't be overthrown. Might hurt quite a bit. He didn't say it wouldn't hurt. But it won't be overthrown. Continue on. Continue. Continue, children of God. Continue. Cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Sin or church won't save you. Can't. Never has, never will. Judas, one of the, one of the apostles, one of the chief of, of, of the disciples, a friend of of Jesus Christ was unsaved, called the son of perdition. He's in his place right now. Church won't save you. Understanding church truth and church continuance and, and, and memorizing the trail of blood and all that stuff, it, it won't save you. Understanding that God will, will not be overthrown, that won't save you. Understanding the gospel won't save you. What? Understanding the gospel will not save you. I said that, and it's right. Understanding the gospel will not save you. Understanding the technicalities that Jesus is the Son of God, and understanding that he died for his people, and understanding that he was buried and rose again, and understanding that he's coming back, will not save you. It's not of him that willeth or runneth. Understanding these things, Gamaliel was, was a, doc, a premier doctor of the law. He understood logic. They were there in, in, in Jerusalem when Jesus died, and he was there for many days testifying unto his people, and no doubt word got out. They were there. They saw the works of God. They're the ones that conspired to kill uh, Lazarus after he'd been risen from the dead. They understood these things. Understanding these things won't save you. Understanding these things, that council still wanted to kill these people and they beat them and they threatened them and said, don't speak of Jesus Christ anymore. Don't, don't, don't speak in his name. Think about how audacious that is. 
Don't be talking about Jehovah's salvation. Don't be talking about that. That's what Jesus' name means, is Jehovah's salvation. They understood a lot, yet knew nothing. Only God granting repentance and faith toward God, forgiveness of sins, according to the gospel. Acts chapter 5, verse 30, verses 30 and 31. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom he slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, a deliverer, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. How is someone saved? Logically knowing about salvation? Logically knowing about the church? No. How is someone saved? God granting them faith and repentance toward Jesus Christ. And through his gospel, granting them, gifting them forgiveness of sins. They were still angry. Logically, they agreed they were still angry. Where are you, Santa? Logically, if you agree, I... That's, that's great if you logically agree, but that won't save you. Where is your heart toward God? Do you desire that his name not be spoken of any longer, Jesus Christ? Do you desire that, 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 that those that speak of his name be put away from you by all means necessary? Is it irritating to you? Even logically understanding, is the gospel irritating to you? I encourage you to repent. I encourage you to see your desperate condition and to call upon the name of the Lord unto salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and there is salvation. Be saved. They preached Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ, his gospel is the power of God and the salvation. What Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. Excuse me, Rome. Repent. I believe his gospel. May the Lord bless his preaching, the preaching of his word.